we cannot be silent about it and that we have to be very proactive in changing things because we just can't be at the fence and waiting for someone else to take that action and guide us Hello and welcome to the Corporate Social Impact Podcast. I am Siddharth Chatterjee from AVPN Academy and welcome to our conversation on putting equity at the center of grant making. The following is my conversation with Meenu Bhambani, Vice President, Head of Corporate Citizenship and Inclusion and Diversity, Asia Pacific at State Street. Meenu was the featured practitioner for our recent learning circle. which was a conversation where a small group of corporate practitioners came together to discuss the challenges of putting equity at the center of grant making there were a lot of interesting questions and insights that came up in that learning circle and we wanted to continue the conversation and share it with a wider audience through this podcast state street had launched 10 actions to address racism and inequality in 2020 systematically analyzing the portfolio of their grantees to reflect these priorities Minu goes into how this approach started in the US and then describes the process and challenges in taking a similar equity lens to grant making in the APAC region. Our conversation then evolves into the mindset and approach that corporate practitioners need to have to make progress in an environment of complexity and uncertainty. I think this conversation will resonate greatly with those working to structure a grant making or other impact practice to tackle systematic imbalances and address equity, diversity and inclusion principles. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Minu. It is wonderful to have you here with us today. To get us started, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the work that you and State Street are doing as it relates to equity in grant making? Hi, uh, my name is Minu Bhambani. Firstly, I would like to thank AVPN for inviting me for this podcast. and i'm so glad that you're doing this podcast as a follow up to the uh, learning circle so little bit about state street we provide core custody accounting and fund administration and performance analytics for traditional and alternative assets as well as multi asset class investments we have a foundation which partners with charities that operate in communities where we have a presence and focuses on reducing gaps in educational achievement and employability based on race ethnicity and socio economic status promoting economic opportunity and racial equity i had corporate citizenship and global inclusion diversity and equity uh, at state street for the apac region thank you minu i think now diving straight into one of the questions and challenges that came up in our learning circle which was about how to apply equity diversity and inclusion in a different region or context than you're used to So while our organizations are quite global and they have global mandates the challenge in equity can look different in every region that you're in for example creating racial equity may be central to a grant making practice in one region but it may not be the right focus for a different area or context given this what advice would you have for corporate organizations and foundations that are looking to learn about the equity landscape and about marginalized communities in a new context specifically in a continent as diverse as asia let me give a little bit context as to why we did what we did in massachusetts and uh, what we are trying to do here in asia pacific for us it's a journey in which we are still learning we are facing challenges and we are grappling with multiple scenarios realities diversities of this region 
Black Lives Matter happened in 2020 and post which we as an organization announced our 10 actions against social injustice. We said that we we cannot be silent about it and that we have to be very proactive in changing things because we just can't be at the fence and waiting for someone else to take that action and guide us. So we announced 10 actions. Those 10 actions were more around how we build more talent that is focused on BIPOC community, how we look at representation internally, and then externally, even for our foundation and our grant making, we have to be more proactive towards focusing on racial equity. But we didn't know how to go about it. So we engaged with a third party. We engaged with the Philanthropy Initiative in 2020, PPI, that collected data from organizations about their work funded by State Street Foundation, racial demographics of those served by grantee partners, racial demographics of each grantee's board, senior leaders, and staff. After testing the survey instrument with a small group of grantees, PPI disseminated the survey to a total of 91 State Street Foundation grantee partners. And these organizations, they represent State Street Foundation's uh, 2019 and 2020 budget years, 86% responded. And based on that, we did an analysis focused on racial demographics of the grantee leaders and of population served, where the grantees explicitly incorporate racial equity into their missions or goals, and capacity needs to advance racial equity and social justice. Among the CEOs and executive directors of State Street Foundation grantee partners, the majority, 63% of them identify as white, 15% identify as black or African American, and 8% identify as Hispanic or Latinx. Of grantees led by white CEO or ED, over one third have a documented succession plan in place which could allow for greater diversity in future leadership. And the majority of those served by grantee partners identify as BIPOC, that is Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Of this BIPOC population, 44% identify as Black or African American, and 34% identify as Hispanic or Latinx. So what we realized is that most foundation grantees uh, explicitly incorporate racial equity into their organization's mission, theory of change, or programmatic strategy and goals. And the two most pressing capacity needs uh, to advance racial equity and social justice were leadership, uh, that is governance, strategic planning, organizational culture, marketing and fundraising were cited by 26%. So this gave us an insight into how we want to shift our grant making and change our guidelines accordingly. So while the focus continued to remain on uh, reducing gaps in educational achievement and employability. But race, uh, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status were very explicitly highlighted. So what, how we do this is by providing general operating support grants to support the core business functions of organizations whose missions, activities, and strategies are aligned, highly aligned with our mission. And this approach is designed to provide flexibility to the management determine its spending uh, priorities. Where earlier our impact metrics were all about how many people from the underprivileged populations or disadvantaged populations get access to 
advanced learning, vocational training, uh, workforce development opportunities, uh, opportunities for higher education, etc. Now, to show measurable outcome, they had to include metrics like organizational diversity across dimensions of leadership, staff, population served, and board of directors. Numbers and diversity of participants gaining access to basic skills that lead to lifelong success. Again, numbers and diversity of participants who are aware of, apply for, and enter and complete credential programs. And again, numbers and diversity of participants who are connected with employment opportunities and retain employment over a period of year. So you can see that it was earlier only participants, but now it's diversity of participants, especially BIPOC. So that is a shift that was made uh, in Massachusetts. In Asia-Pacific uh, region, we tried to apply the same lens, but we also understood that there are challenges because race, the way it is understood in North America, is not the same uh, as it is in Asia-Pacific. We operate in eight countries in Asia-Pacific, and each country is very diverse. But we felt that there are issues of inequity, of injustice, of underrepresentation, of being disenfranchised, owing to your social class. In India, for example, it could be caste, it could be gender, it could be disability, it could be your sexual orientation, it could be your ethnic minority status, it could be your being an immigrant, it could be being from uh, indigenous population, for example, in Australia. So consciously, we announced uh, racial equity and social justice grant, which is more focused on equity and social justice for the disenfranchised communities. And however, we are, we have given grants to foundations like Clontarf and Marg here in India uh, under racial equity. We, we said that our grant making should consciously focus now on looking at these groups that have traditionally remained invisible, how do we bring them them to the fore through our grant making? Also, at the same time, we have announced a request for proposal from various organizations because we want to do uh, engage with a third party which can help us really define what equity and social justice uh, looks like in Asia Pacific. What are the key issues? Which are the key organizations working in that space? And how do we make those informed decisions around our grant making in Asia Pacific region? Thank you, Minu, for sharing that. I think this underscores one of the key challenges that corporate social impact practitioners in Asia and everywhere are facing. On the one hand, the challenges feel quite urgent and grant-making also follows a particular timeline. But on the other hand, it seems like to even understand the equity landscape in a region takes a lot of time, effort, and research. Given this, Meenu, do you have any thoughts on how corporate social impact practitioners can get started without having all the knowledge they need to be certain about what their grant-making is going to look like? So, you know, we made small tweaks because research will take its own time uh, and we can't keep waiting. We can't hold uh, a grant-making process till the research outcomes are there for us to act upon. So what we uh, did was that in our uh, grant application, we have tried to understand the organizational makeup, the demographics 
of our grantee partners. So we made changes to our application process where we are clearly asking questions around how much is the representation of the communities that you serve in your own organization. So for example, if you're working for people with disabilities, are they in your executive leadership, in your staff, in your board, in your trustees, in your advisory group? How are their voices being represented? So proactively asking for those questions. Are they working on some kind of theory of change or an aspirational idea which will bring about a systemic change, especially for the community that they are serving? This will give us an idea as from a current grantee portfolio, who are the ones uh, which which are representative of the diversity and of the voices of the community that they are uh, working with. Uh, secondly, I mean, all the studies, UN, World Bank, they all point to the data is very clear about gender, uh, that there is a need to focus more on gender. There is there is a need to focus more on other underrepresented groups like uh, disability and people of different sexual orientations. There are laws, there are systems that discriminate against them. So consciously looking at those organizations and building that in in the current grant portfolio is something that we have done. Process of learning. I mean, this is the first year that we have started as we will analyze at the end of the year all our portfolio. We will have a clearer picture that the path that we have taken is the right one. And of course, research will definitely inform us and corroborate, hopefully, our, our thought pattern. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that, Minu. I think there are two key themes in what you said that we can all embrace when we think about corporate social impact. I think first, there's the idea that even though there's a lot we don't know, there are also clearly understood cases of inequity that we can start working on immediately. Say in the cases of gender or disability, there's a lot of room to get started. So even though we can acknowledge as practitioners that we're learning on the go and that there'll always be new challenges and better approaches that we can adopt, we can get started and we can get going. And the second theme that I wanted to highlight from what you talked about which was also very impactful when we spoke about it in our learning circle, was the idea of what equity in grant making is really about. So I think we often think about our grant making practice in terms of who the end beneficiary is. So we think about who this grant making practice is going to help empower, who it's going to go and serve. And while that's important, that's only the very first level of equity in grant making in one sense. The second level of equity in grant making is about who the key decision makers are in the grant making practice and in the impact organizations that will be implementing this work. When the key decision makers themselves belong to the underrepresented groups that we are trying to serve, then we achieve a far greater impact with our grant making practices because the process itself gives back power and allows these communities to represent themselves and act on their own behalf. I thought that was a deeply impactful idea that you had mentioned in our learning circle and I just wanted to bring that up again. Before we close, I'd like to ask if you had any final piece of advice for corporate practitioners who are looking to get into equity in grant making 
but may be quite unsure about how to proceed, especially say in Asia. Is there anything that you'd like to tell them or any advice you have for how to think about this work? Like we are learning from what we have done uh, in Massachusetts and we are just trying to tweak that, adapt that to, to the situation in Asia Pacific. My advice would be that through, through your academy, uh, I'm learning that day, that conversation as part of the learning circle, where Credit Suisse and others, they said that this is how they have focused on. I mean, there was merit in that. I took away a few learnings from that. So I think peer-to-peer learning is very critical and you have you guys have been great at facilitating that. So I would really acknowledge your uh, support in that. Secondly, I think we have to start small and we have to begin somewhere. And, and I think that is what we have done. Right or wrong, we don't know. Time will tell. Outcomes will tell. But we wanted to use our power as a funder to even nudge organizations think about about equity and uh, social justice so i think that is where people can start that you don't have to overhaul everything but how do you start nudging right and that's a great metaphor to close on as well the idea of nudging so we don't have to be always very emphatic or certain about our actions but we can still be nudging towards positive change Thank you so much for being with us, Minu, and sharing your thoughts and experiences. We learned a lot and we look forward to continue to learn from you and from the work that State Street is doing, not just in Massachusetts, but all around the world and in Asia as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It was lovely uh, chatting with you. Corporate Social Impact Insights is part of the AVPN Academy Corporate Social Impact Center, which is established in partnership with Johnson & Johnson, Miller Trust, and Visa. The center also includes self-paced modules, a library of content, and learning circles, which are a monthly series of small group discussions for corporate practitioners. Learn more at academy.avpn.asia. This is a monthly podcast series, and we hope you will tune in for another episode soon. Thank you for listening and goodbye.